And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hey guys, what is up? It has been a hot minute here, has it not? I will explain all in due time. Welcome everybody to episode number, I should probably look this up. Let me just stall for a second here while I get to a point where I can find the number. 154 is what this is. Alright, it is December 9th, Monday, 7.15 in the a.m. Eastern Time here in Knoxville. Welcome, thank you for joining me. Darren Starr is my name and your name is unknown to me, but thank you for listening, I appreciate it. It is... Good to be back, kind of. This episode will probably be relatively brief. I don't have it mapped out. I don't really have an outline in place or anything like that. I know there are a couple things I want to talk about, offer a little bit of a personal update as well, and an explanation for my absence. Oh, yes. I am coming to class prepared with a note from my doctor and everything. Okay, not from my doctor. I'm fine. I'm fine. But uh, the, the figurative note from my doctor, I have that. It's a, a note from myself, actually. So... Uh, I have a couple things. Um, there's one topic I want to discuss. I have a voicemail that's been hanging out for a while that I want to get to as well, so we'll go over that momentarily here. Uh, and what else has been going on? I've been a little absent. Um, I'll explain that. And I was uh, geographically absent from the Knoxville area over the weekend as well as my wife and I took a quick little trip up to New York City, um, which was interesting. So I'll talk about that briefly. Uh, I will not go into amazing detail and depth on that. If you were following me on Instagram, um, I posted some stuff on my story throughout the weekend. I think most of that stuff is gone by now. So haha, <laughs> you missed it. You better, better follow and watch, pay attention because you never know what's going to come up. Uh, I do rely on my story for a lot of stuff. And as you know, that stuff is transient. It's in, it's out and it's gone. Um, but what I, uh, my, my experience there is, uh, or my, my, my thinking on that is, if you've been to New York City, you don't really need to see like or hear a giant recap of what I did unless it was something unique. I did do a couple things that were kind of interesting. Um, and if you haven't been, you probably don't care. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bore you with all the details. But it was a fun trip. Um, had a good time uh, and good to be back into the groove this morning as well. Taz is here by my side as always. Hey, buddy, you have anything to say for the audience? What You want the microphone? Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, he thought better of it. He he was looking at me like he had something he wanted to say, but then, nope, nope. I, uh, I put the mic in his face, and he's like, uh, I wasn't serious. Okay. So, um, I don't even know where to start. God, I got, okay, well, let's do this. I got four things I know I want to go over here, so let's start with the voicemail, because that's something that doesn't require a whole lot of thought. I just click on it, and I drag it in. So, let's start there, see what we got. Hi, Darren. It's Rachel from Arizona. I just saw a guy in the gym tonight who put on a weight belt to do seated calf raises, and that gave me the idea. Um, it would be great if you discussed weight belts, um, kind of what their purpose is, what the advantages and disadvantages of using them are, and what exercises a lifter might find an advantage to using a weight belt, and when it's really just going to be for show. Thanks. I love the podcast. Ah, yes. Good. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, basically, uh, weight belts exist specifically for the seated calf raise machine. Little known fact, that is why they were uh, conceived. So there you go. You learn something new every day, right? Uh, no, I mean, clearly, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, you, you see a lot of people in the gym who will wear belts for apparently no reason at all other than the fact that they want to wear them. Uh, they think it's a fashion statement. They think it makes them look hardcore. They think it's cool. They say, oh, well, this belt makes it difficult to breathe, so therefore everything is harder, and if it's harder, it must be better. 
That's what she said. Um, <laughs> oh, man, we're in rare form today. This is going to be a long day for y'all. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling here. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I know why belts exist. I can't get into everyone's head and figure out why people do the shit that they do. It's beyond me. I don't know. I got a whole lot of nothing for you on that. Um, so basically a belt exists as a, a breath control cueing device, and that is it. So when you cinch that sucker up in the right spot, it forces you to you know engage your diaphragm and block out your core. That is what a weight belt does. It doesn't do anything else other than encourages you to maintain bro- proper breath control and support throughout your midsection from that breath control. That's it. It doesn't do anything for your back. No, nothing. I mean, it is, it is a passive device. It is a device that encourages you to do something that you can do without it, but it's a cueing device. That's it. So um, the problem then is somebody puts on a belt and then they go and they squat or deadlift more weight than they think than they than they could without it, um, which is a bad idea. You know, it, it doesn't provide support. It cues you to provide additional support for yourself. And in that method, and for that reason, it can be exceptionally useful in the right circumstances. Um, where it becomes bad is if you use it as a crutch, uh, where, you, you know, you're using it as a kind of a security blanket. Well, you know, I can't get this lift unless I do this. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple of people that I work with who, um, use it in a way that's kind of tangential to that, that is more appropriate where I, I can get this weight, but I feel like I can get a little bit easier with the belt on. I'm like, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that because you're using that belt to tighten up your internal cueing support mechanisms and therefore, boom. Yeah. So you're, you're just using it to improve your form through better breath control, through better diaphragm support, through better core stability. So that's all fine. Um, but if you're like, man, I haven't done this way before. Let me go get my belt. Let me put my belt on, and you think it's going to be like, you know, your, your Batman, your bat suit, your utility belt or whatever, and suddenly you're going to be able to do shit with that than you, that you couldn't without. No, no. It, when you do it like that, then you're just going to hurt yourself. <laughs> so you have to be smart. You have to understand what good form looks like, and you have to also be able to recognize when you are not executing with good form. That belt doesn't change any of that. So it's just a cueing device. Um now, the other thing is, I mean, a lot of people use it as kind of like a low-cost waist trainer, I think, um, which uh, if, if you've heard me talk about waist trainers on here before, I will uh, spare you having to go back through the archives, but basically just say, waist trainers are fucking stupid. Um, just don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't wear one. Please. Please, please, for the love of God, don't wear one. Um, and don't use your belt as a waist trainer. Please. Okay. Um, so there may be other reasons why people use it. I don't know. Um, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that most people don't know what they're doing. Um, okay. That's, that's rude and dismissive. I won't say that most people don't know what they're doing. I will say a lot of people don't know what they're doing. Um, and if you, uh, excuse me, my goodness. Um, if you went and and polled people in the gym who were wearing belts, as far as why they were wearing it, I think a, probably a good healthy majority would have some answer along the lines of, oh, it just helps me keep my core tight, helps keep my waist tight, uh, or I don't know, 
if they're being brutally honest. I saw somebody else doing it, and he slash she looked great, so I thought I'd do it too. You know, who knows? Who knows? But, um, yeah, the, the the there is a legit reason for it, but um, it, it's fairly limited in scope. Uh, but that being said, you know, uh, I think one of the uh, exercises that people could really benefit from wearing a belt while they're performing that they don't usually is an overhead press. Um, you want to talk about an exercise where diaphragm support and core stability and breath control is extremely valuable. It's an overhead press for sure. Um, same with a bench press, actually. Um, that, could, that could be super helpful. Um, squats and deadlifts. I mean, basically any kind of compound exercise like that that benefits from from that kind of you know stability throughout the midsection would be a huge, huge help. So uh, for, for some people, for other people, not so much. Um, as I've alluded to before, and I, I mentioned this kind of tangentially in a, a video that I posted last week, I was deadlifting for once. Oh my God, what the hell? Will wonders never cease? Darren was deadlifting. Yeah. Uh, coach wrote him into the workout plan. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Let's give it a shot. See what happens here. Uh, and it was fine. Uh, so I, I worked up to 315 and which was pretty good for me considering it's a movement that a I'm not very good at b one that makes me nervous because of my hernia my abdominal hernia that I have um so I have to be really really careful with you know my own breath control and just making sure that intra-abdominal pressure is always relatively low so you're never like <sighs> bearing down and, and pulling you can't do that you know with, with something like this you just cannot cannot do that so Therefore, it does diminish your capacity a little bit. So, and, and also the fact that I haven't deadlifted in probably two years. Um, so being able to pull 315, um, and you know, it wasn't easy, but it looked pretty easy in the video. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I can, I can roll with that. And that's something to work off of. And it felt comfortable as well. So, uh, and it, it was, it was also nice to be the one guy in the, in the gym who's deadlifting by picking the bar up and then actually controlling a negative and gently placing it back down on the ground. You know, I wasn't trying to lift in a library, but you get those people. There's, there's two types of asshole deadlifters in the gym. They're the ones who will pick the bar up and then drop it. Like I did half a rep. I picked it up. That's good enough. Now I just drop it from a standing position. First of all, go to hell and go to like a, a deep layer of hell, please. And, and stay there. And, light yourself on fire while you're down there because I hate you with an undying passion that knows no bounds. Um, you're the worst kind of person. And to any of my clients listening to this, like, oh shit, he might be talking about me. I might be. Yes. If you deadlift that way, I do not like you. I, I okay, let, let, me, let me make sure I, I draw some boundaries here. I fully respect you as a client, and I appreciate the hard work that you put in. I just don't like you as a person. So <laughs> I'm being a little dramatic here, but, you know, as I've talked about this before. I startle very easily in the gym. And so when somebody's just dropping weights around, it scares the ever-loving shit out of me. And I get really, really wound up. And I'm like, oh, God. So as you can imagine, like being in New York City this last week, and there was a lot of that going on. Um, so... Uh, yeah, you get those people who will just stand up and then drop the bar or worse yet. These are the people that really, really annoy me. And these are the power lifters who, for some reason, it's like they have a celebratory end of rep dance that they do 
where they pick the bar up and then it's like it's not good enough for them to just drop the weight, but they have to aggressively slam it down as hard as they possibly can. Like they are they're imparting additional force beyond just gravity to the bar and pushing it down with the goal of making as much noise as possible. I cannot imagine there's another reason for what they do other than this is another possibility. They are recording themselves because everybody wants to see every one of your deadlift reps on social media, of course. And they get some great joy out of making the camera shake. If you've noticed that, there's like, you know, the the hardcore power lifters. It's like, you know, if your camera doesn't shake when you drop the, the bar back to the ground, you know, it's not really weight. So you've got to make it so, you know, I'm going to slam that bar down. I'm not just going to drop it. I'm going to slam it down hard. Those are the two people that I think just need to be dropped off on a desert island. And you, you can go lift there where it doesn't disturb anybody, please. It doesn't disturb my delicate and fragile senses. So clearly I am the kind of guy that probably just needs to go lift at Planet Fitness. So I've outed myself. Uh, there we go. <laughs> now, once again... This is a commentary that I started delivering more about other people, and it's become all about me and exposing my neurotic side and what a dork and a tool I am. Mission accomplished. There we go. So anyway, Rachel, good question on that. Yeah, it's a queuing device, uh, and uh, stop wearing one all the time. You really don't need to. You really don't need to. So, um Okay, uh, the the one thing that I wanted to talk about here, I probably should make a list before I forget about all the shit that I want to talk about. Well, this is the other thing that's relevant, and then we'll get to some personal stuff after this as well. So um, there's a lot of buzz going around about this Peloton ad that people have seen, and if I was a little bit more savvy, I would have audio of it that I could drop in here so that you could hear it. But the gist of it is this husband gives his, I don't know, wife, girlfriend, life partner, or whatever, a Peloton bike, and if you aren't familiar with the Peloton bike, which you probably are, but um, <laughs> allow somebody who has never seen or used one to describe it for you. Um, it's, uh, as I understand, it is a bike, but it is also like a, uh, it's a fitness system, basically. There's that word, fitness. God, I hate that word. Um, where uh, there are, it has a screen built into it. And so through that screen, you can access um, on-demand classes, or you can actually participate in live classes as well. They have additional, uh, there, there's a whole system built around it, which I think they have mobile apps as well that um, include like strength workouts and stretching routines, et cetera. So you can do it on the go if you don't have your bike, or I think they also have treadmills as well. So um, anyway, the, the idea is it's a, it's a support community that's built into this. Um, classes are on demand live. Um, and apparently it's like, you know, the, the quality of the programming is pretty good. Um, and also just the, um, technical wizardry built into it is pretty, pretty high end as well. So these things aren't cheap. Um, certainly I don't know what the, uh, what the list price is on a Peloton. I don't know if I, if I go to look it up, if I can even tell you, um, so, okay, well, let's just check it out here. Oh, hold on. Was that? Oh, no. <laughs> Those are, you search for Peloton bike and all the Google shopping um, results that pop up are for like Nordic Track and Bowflex, et cetera. Yeah, if you want a Peloton bike, you're going to have to, uh, oh, from 2245, 2245 from that. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it can get a, uh, a whole lot more expensive as well. Let's see if we click on buy here. What are our options? 
the basics package is twenty two forty five. The essentials package, which includes some shoes and it looks like some pink dumbbells, um, or you can get it with a foam roller. Oh, two pairs of shoes with the family package. Okay, great. Okay, well this is this is all pretty basic here. It's basically, you know, a little over two grand. Um, I was thinking that they would have options that would go up to you know like you know five grand or whatever, but no, it's about you know twenty two hundred bucks. So, uh, the uh. The family package includes two pairs of shoes, two water bottles, still just one pair of weights, um, and I don't know what these other things are. A, a foam roller, so apparently in the family package you still have to share a foam roller. Okay. Um, oh, two pairs of headphones and two heart rate monitors. Oh, it's not a foam roller, it's a bike, bike mat, but it's all rolled up so it looks like a foam roller. Okay, well, yeah, I guess it's fine to share a bike mat. If you've only got one bike, I guess that's fair. Um Okay, so anyway, you know, it's fa fairly high-end bike. You know, the, the treadmill that I, or treadmill, the elliptical that I bought um, a couple years back for here was like, you know, I bought that new from Amazon. It's like 700 bucks or something like that. So this is definitely a little higher end. Um, so the, the buzz behind this ad is um, this husband gives this, or man gives this woman, I don't know what the relationship is or if it's even stated, um, a bike, and she's like very apprehensive about it at first, um, and then she grows to love it. She documents her journey using it throughout the course of a year, and then she shares him the, the video documenting her journey with the tagline of something like, you know, a year ago, I had no idea how much this would change me or something like that. And they share some cheesy grin and there you go, you know, give the gift of health or whatever. So the outcry over this ad has been ridiculous. I mean, just almost universal, um, just condemning it. So you, you come down on, on one side or the other, either completely against it or totally for it, because of course... It's 2019, and uh, you are not allowed in our society to have a nuanced opinion on anything. You've got to ride one extreme or the other. God forbid you exist in the gray area and you know show that you uh, have some, some independent thought and some critical analysis that you can apply yourself and come down kind of in the middle of the road on something, which is where I come down on this, of course. Um, Watching the ad, um, I really get the, um, I get what they're going for with it, and I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a cool message. Um, you know, get, give your partner this. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, what, what was it? It's, they say it's kind of akin to giving your, uh, giving your wife a vacuum or you know a set of pots and pans or something like that. the The idea being that this is overly patriarchal. Um, and that this man is, you know, subjugating his wife or girlfriend. <clears throat> I think for sake of argument, I'm just going to say wife. Uh, and sending the message like, you need to get in better shape. Here's a bike. Get to it. Eh. Uh, which I, I can understand how somebody might think that, but I, that's not the vibe that I got from it at all. The The thing that I think was kind of, weird is that her her apprehension at it initially I think is a really really huge miscalculation on the part of the people who created the ad um, because that more than anything else is what helps foster this narrative that it, that this is a uh, this is this is sexist and misogynistic uh, which I think that's taking it a bit extreme even if you buy into um, I mean it, I think at worst I think it was uh, a miscalculation. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I think the, the message that they're trying to get across is very clear, and they just did it in kind of a clumsy way. Uh, but her apprehension is what really, really feeds that that clumsy narrative. It's like, okay, she clearly didn't want this or ask for it, but this guy felt the the need to spend over two grand on a bike when she had expressed no desire in it whatsoever. It's like that's probably a bad idea, and that's where the message is is definitely coming from. Um, but then also the other thing that I felt was a, a big misfire just because I am a huge, huge fan of when I'm watching things on TV, be they TV shows, movies, commercials, whatever. I'm a big fan of things that make sense and that mirror real life. And what I don't get is the narrative structure of this commercial where she is like documenting things on her phone and recording videos and giving, you know, selfie monologues, etc. And then for some reason, she has waited for a year to stitch these together, edit them together into a video, which the, then she presents back to her husband and they watch on TV like what that's a gift to him like saying thank you is is a gift to him after a year or something i don't i don't understand that that is not something that people do i don't think so and it also it looks really awkward and clumsy um in the commercial and on the ad and somebody said something like there was a uh Somebody as part of the uh, ridiculous Twitter mob said something to the, along the lines of, I've seen hostage videos that look more comfortable than this. That's the scene that kind of makes me agree, like, yeah, I see part of that here. Um, by the same token, um, I, I, I do have some words of advice for every single member of the Twitter mob that has uh, grown up against this advertisement. And that is, please, for the love of God, get the fuck over yourselves already. Come on, just because you've had you can have an opinion and share it online does not mean that anybody gives a shit what it is. And just stop with the outrage already. There is plenty of stuff in this world that you can get outraged over without worrying about a fucking Peloton ad. Okay, it's not that bad. It's not. It's not that good. Uh, it's not going to win any kind of you know uh, advertising Emmy award or anything like that. I think that's kind of what they were shooting for. They're like, oh, this is going to be such a noun. It's it's cheesy, super cheesy at best. Um, you know, it, it's, it does reek a little bit of sexism at worst. Um, but you, part of it, I think, is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well plugged into this industry and also the, you know, being a, a bodybuilding coach where you get, you know, there, there's a lot of sex that goes on in this industry. And I don't mean like intercourse, but I mean like, you know, a lot of uh, sex appeal and people marketing themselves based on that, et cetera. And you, you get a lot of, uh, of insight into the dynamics between men and women on that level as well. So uh, for better or worse, uh, I would argue for worse, but <clears throat> there's, um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm fairly in tune with this. And while I'm not a marketing expert by any stretch of the imagination, I feel like if you give me a sheet of paper, a pack of crayons in two minutes, I can script out and storyboard a better commercial for Peloton than this. Um, I think that their, their biggest mistake is that, um, it's just tone deaf and, and poorly done and executed. Even if we're not worrying about themes of, you know, sexism and, and, uh, you know, a, a, 
a male-dominated marriage or anything like that. Um, it's just it's awkward and clumsy, and and stupid and hokey. Um, but at the same time, I think you know, it, it, with the right person, it it does send the right message and it, it, big picture. It gives the right idea. It's just poorly executed. So, um, but yeah, stop. Whatever, whatever kind of your your boxers, your briefs, your panties. We're gonna be. Uh, we're not gonna be play favorites here with gender or anything like that. Whatever your undergarments are, don't get them in a bunch over this. It ain't worth it. You want to find something to get upset about? Look at you know, <laughs> just. Do some research on what's going on in Africa <laughs> or what's going on uh, between China and Hong Kong, anything like that. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that are worthy of your outrage. Um, this is not it. This is not it, which does not mean that we have to ignore all uh, transgressions just because they are not the worst thing that's happening in the world right now. This is really benign, though. And if there was some kind of... Uh, I don't know if there was a an intent behind this that was in line with what people are seeing from it. Um, I would uh, I, I would say that like okay yeah that's worth it. Um, there's no intent like that. They're they're trying to sell a product and they just did it in a way that is kind of dumb and tone deaf. Big deal. So don't buy it. That's how you hit them. That you don't need to, you know, summon the Twitter army against these people. It's just, it's not worthy of it. Um, so anyway, that that's that. So, whew, okay, that's some heavy lifting. Wow, that's hardcore stuff. So let's get down to uh, what what's been going on with me. So first of all, explaining my absence here. So, um, and then just a couple quick little changes that I've been dealing with here. Uh, basically, what it comes down to is this: um, I have done a really good job lately of spreading myself too thin. Um, <clears throat> And uh, one one thing that will never change <clears throat> is uh, you know I mean you know uh, business has been booming lately, which is great. It's a good problem to have. I have a uh, a short wait list for clients now, which is awesome. I've always wanted that. I talked about that before. It's great. It's good times. Love it. Um, one thing that will never suffer is um, the work that I put in for clients. Um, and right now, I've added a second thing to that list of things that will never suffer. And that's also um, the the music output that I'm working on right now. Um, <clears throat> so, just because that's really important to me, I'm on kind of a a light time crunch as I'm trying to manage other people's schedules for <clears throat> excuse me for getting into a studio and recording some stuff. We have to finish writing first, so that's where the bulk of the time is coming. And um, it's difficult to set aside time to be creative. Um, it is, and so that that's a lot of where the the scheduling difficulty is coming from right now. Um, is like you know, inspiration hits and be like, well, I I can't right now because I have other stuff that I'm committed to currently. So that inspiration is going to have to wait, and then boom, it's gone. So, and sometimes you can tool away for uh, you know an hour, two hours. Um, this is me on the weekends lately, where I'm just sitting there at the keyboard coming up with stuff or <clears throat> playing around with things on the computer. You know. Um, shuffling bits and pieces of songs around and trying to get something that just isn't clicking for whatever reason to click. And sometimes, you know, I, I had it happen the other day. Um, uh, sometime, I think it was last weekend where I was working on a song and I'm like, there's something buried in here. There's something in here. There's something in here. Um, I like where it's going, but it's just not gelling just yet. And so I spent, I think two hours, um, 
playing around with you know various different um, structures of the song, uh, adjusting the tempo a little bit, changing the feel of it completely from something like you know a driving rock song is something a little bit more laid back so you know the basic uh underpinnings of the song are still the same but you just change the feel of it completely um and after a couple hours i just threw my hands up and said nope i can't make it work <laughs> i got no idea i have no idea and uh then there's another song where uh I- i'm i'm playing around with it and it's like it's got this one part this one idea that i'm really fond of and i really like it but i'm like this is a 15 second idea. You know, how is this going to turn into a four minute song? Um, and I, I'm just tooling, tooling around with it. And, you know, I'm spending five minutes with it, 10 minutes, 15. And there's this voice in the back of my head. It's like, just give up, move on, move on, move on. Come on. There's nothing here. You're, you're mining for mining for gold in a silver mine to quote Elton John. <laughs> uh, there's just, there's, there's nothing interesting to be found here. Uh, and, I, I keep I keep digging at it. I keep digging at it. I keep digging at it, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, what if I do this? Oh, and then that goes here, and that goes here, and then uh, and so after about an hour of fiddling around with this fifteen second idea that was going nowhere, something clicks. I think it was probably about forty five minutes into that it clicks, and then five minutes later I have the whole song written out, and uh, I've since done a demo recording of it, and it's by far the best thing that I've written so far. Um, I'm like beyond excited about that. I'm like, wow. Okay. So you just never know the point being, so you just have to invest the time into it and you have to be willing to invest time into dead end ideas that don't go anywhere. Um, because some of those, they do end up going somewhere. You just never, never really know. So anyway, that, that's something where that, that process is not going to go on indefinitely, but for a while, yeah, I've got, I've got to do that too. So, um, work with clients is never going to suffer that right now can't suffer, which means that the rest of what I'm trying to do here is suffering a little bit. So the podcast is taking a little bit of a hit only because I need to pull back on a couple of things in order for me to not go insane. Um, even my workouts, um, I alluded to this in an Instagram post that I made last week. I think it was on Thursday. Um, I scaled my workouts back to three days a week, total body sessions. Um, coach wrote those up for me, so I don't have to worry about it. It's one of the huge benefits of, of having a coach, even being one yourself, is you got somebody else to worry about you. Because I can, I can in my check-in with her, I can be like, yo, I am a fucking mess right now. Help me out. And, and so then we can strategize. We can talk over it. And this is why I always tell people, um, clients of mine, like if you've had a bad week and then I always say like, I'm just going to skip my check in this week, you know, give me some more time to no, no. If you've had a bad week, that's when we really need to check in because I don't want to make the assumption that we're going to be all fine the following week. I think that's a dangerous assumption to make because if you have two bad weeks in a row, now you're on the road to checkoutville. Um, and that, that don't fly. So no, um, Confront the problems, face them head on, look at them. It's kind of ugly. It's not a lot of fun, but that's how you fix them. So um, the the strategy for me was she said, you know, this is good. So, you know, your your workload is, is keeping you busy, which is great. Um, your music is helping keep you sane because really it's one of the things that I use to unwind. And so she's very understanding of that. And she's like, yeah, you know, I, I can't have you, you know, devoid of any kind of enjoyment or any kind of stress relief. You know, that's not going to be good. 
So what we decided upon was, okay, let's get through this album recording time, which is, you know, Jan- uh, December and then probably much of January as well. And during that time, if we're just kind of maintaining, okay. And it's, it's, that idea is anathema to me. I mean, I'd much prefer to be either growing or cutting. It's always been a very binary thing for me personally. <clears throat> and I've always encouraged that with my clients as well. Like, you know, <clears throat> if, if you're maintaining, you don't really need a coach to help you maintain. Um, and I always just feel like, you know, if, if somebody's investing, um, in, investing in me to help them get to where they want to go, we should be moving one direction or the other, right? And now I'm, I'm coming to see, like, actually, no, there is value in maintaining, but not for a long stretch. But through, you know, for two months, if I can maintain through two months, great. And having her on my side to help keep things in check um, and, you know, kind of holding me accountable to keep my macros in check during this time where it's, you know, a little bit lower intensity. Um, and also, you know, it's three workout sessions. And what she's uh, uh, kind of driven home to me, of course, I know this, but it's always good to hear it again from another source um, because I don't want to apply my coaching expectations to myself. I want to apply her expectations to me. Uh, that's the idea. You know, even as a coach um, and someone who knows a lot about this stuff, I pride myself on at the same time being very coachable, uh, which is why it's frustrating for me when I get somebody who is fairly inexperienced at this, but they think that they know the way to go. They're like, no, I, I don't really want to work out like that. I'm like, well, why do you hire if if you if you know what you do and don't want to do then why are you hiring a coach? Uh, you know it's my job to to kind of get you out of your comfort zone and so uh, I let her worry about me and so her her theory here is you know three sessions a week you know they're not going to be super high volume and I want you in there for two hours an hour in and out but I want you to you know set that place on fire and use the fact that you're only working out three days a week. You know our expectations of your time investment into this part of the program right now is lower. You know, you can spend less time on this, but minute per minute, I want things to be a little bit more intense. I'm like, all right, I think that works. And last week, it worked really well. So um, I did a total body session on Monday, one on Wednesday, and then one on Thursday, which was a challenging day because that was my last day here before my trip. Um, so I was cramming in two days worth of work, my Thursday and my Friday um, client check-ins, uh, plus all the last little last-minute catch-up stuff. Uh and squeezing in a workout on that day. It was a challenging day, but I got it done. Um, and it was also difficult because I just worked out on Wednesday. So those deadlifts were from Thursday. Um, I also did some some low rep belt squat. It was the heavy day where everything was in like the five to six rep range. So it was fun to work out like that, though. It was good. It's something that I hadn't done. Really, I haven't done total body workouts except for maybe one here and there. I haven't really done them ever. So it's uh, it's very different. It's a different style for me. Um, and, uh, you know, not something that I'd want to do long-term, but as a change of pace during this phase, totally on board with it. So now this New York trip. Um, oh, hold on. First of all, future of the podcast going forward. Again, I'm talking for like the next five, six weeks, probably something like that. It's going to be a little haphazard. It's going to be like when I have time and I'm caught up um, and I, I feel like I've got the time to knock it out, I will. So by all means, keep the voicemails coming. Keep the emails and the suggestions coming, please. That call-in number, once again, thank you, Paula. I remember I'm going di- to do this nice and slow. So I've given you the warning that the number is coming, and now I'm, I'm filling some time here where you're like, oh, okay, hold on. Let me pull up the, the notes app on my phone. You know what? Even better, let me pull up the the contacts app on my phone. Let me add a contact. So, okay. Um, you're going to create contact. There's the button. Okay. Plus yes, we're going to add contact here. What's the contact name? Well, it's going to be, you know, the drop set 
voicemail or drop set call in line, something like, okay, great. So I'll give you time. Now you're going to type that in. Okay. You ready? The number's coming next. You ready for it? Okay. Now we remember the area code, right? Because remember I'm in Knoxville. It's UT. It's the UT Vols. V-O-L. V-O-L. 865. Here's the number. 865. 518-2974. Everybody now has that saved as a contact in your phone. How awesome is that? That is fantastic. I love it. So by all means, you call that number. Nobody answers the phone. Voicemail picks up. You hear my bright and cheery voice sounding super fake and rehearsed and polished. Hey, everybody, thanks for calling the drop set voicemail call in line with my stupid ass radio voice. Um, So leave a message. I think it says something like 20 seconds or whatever. Basically, don't ramble on for five minutes. Okay, nobody wants to hear that. At least of all, you don't want to hear that when you hear your message played in a future episode. You don't want to hear five minutes of yourself. As somebody who has heard an hour of myself, trust me, five minutes is too much also. Uh, So just point being, keep it relatively brief to the point, but don't feel like you've got to rush and get it all done in 20 seconds or anything like that. So anyway, call in, leave your questions there. Um, The more questions I have, the more likely it is that I'll do an episode because then I can just kind of react to your questions and comments um, and not be responsible for (laughs) providing original thought on my own because clearly that is too hard. I cannot handle original thought at this point. So, okay, New York, I'll talk about it really quick here. We left on Thursday, no, Friday morning, Jeez. Um, had Friday to kind of piddle around town and had an event Friday night. Um, Saturday, um, we piddled around a little bit. We saw a matinee show at 2 o'clock and then had a dinner and a tour. And then Sunday, we had breakfast and went to the airport. So it was that kind of a trip. It was like super, super whirlwind. Um, what we went there for, so Friday we got there, we walked around. Um, what did we do? Oh, we went down to... Uh, Freedom Tower, the uh, World Trade Center Memorial Site, uh, Battery Park, um, that area. We had lunch at a place called France's Tavern, which is ancient, super cool place. Um, enjoyed that. Uh, what else? Oh, we, we rode the Sea Glass Carousel, which was fun, <laughs> which was one of the least crowded places we were. Uh, we found the entire time we were there, which was great. Um, and then we uh, we went back and uh, went for dinner and a, uh, a an evening show at uh, Feinstein's 54 Below, which is below Studio 54, as you might guess, on 54th Street. We spent pretty much the whole time in Midtown, except for that um, one little jaunt we took down south. Uh, and so the the goal there, so we had dinner. Um, we, we sprung for, I mean, the, this is the whole point of the trip. We got expensive tickets. We, we got our hotel room. We got the plane tickets. We sprung for the fancy dinner um, because we went to go see my wife's favorite singer of all time, uh, Linda Etter, who's a, uh, she's, if, if any of you know her at all, it's because she was the female lead in the original Broadway run of Jekyll and Hyde. Um, and since then, she's like, that was enough Broadway for me. Now I'm just going to, you know, put out albums and go on tour and, you know, that. So she, she is known as a Broadway singer, but really I think that's largely her, her primary Broadway experience. But she does a lot of Broadway songs. Uh, this was kind of a, a combination of some Broadway stuff, some Christmas stuff, and then a couple of her original songs as well. She is one of these people where um, 
you know, you hear somebody say like they can sing the phone book. Well, she can, and this <laughs> this show kind of put that to the test a little bit because her song selections really left some uh, made for some head scratching. Like, I do not need to hear somebody with a one billion with a B dollar voice singing Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Linda Etter, come on. What is that? That being said, when she then goes and sings Bring Him Home from Les Mis, I mean, my God, holy crap. Just otherworldly. Just it, it, absolutely phenomenal. Unbelievable. So, yes, she can sing the phone book 100%. And, unfortunately, we kind of listened to her sing the phone book for part of it. But um, yeah, a, a good number of the songs that she did were just like, oh, my God. Just, you know, being 10 feet away in a tiny, tiny little place like this where there's maybe 20 tables throughout the whole room, um, each of them with, you know, two or four people at them. That, that's the whole place. Um, and it's her and a small band with piano. Uh, there's a drummer, upright bass player, and a woodwinds player. Um, and just being like 10 feet away from somebody who can sing like that, holy crap, it was ridiculous. It was insane. Super cool. Super cool. So uh, even though the song selection left a little bit to be desired, um, it was still phenomenal. Totally phenomenal. Um, and then the next day we went to the Museum of Modern Art, which was cool. I'd never been there. You know, I'd never been to New York, so of course I'd never been there. Um, saw some interesting works. My wife was my tour guide there, her being the art teacher. She knew a lot of what was going on here. Um, she knew what was there, what we had to go see. So she, we, we actually made a fairly quick trip of that. Um, saw the highlights, saw a few other things that were interesting that were new to both of us. Um, that was cool. Uh, and then we, uh, <laughs> it was kind of funny. So we went, I was all about the food. I'm like, I need some quintessential New York food. So we get out of the Museum of Modern Art and I'm like, I want a pretzel. I want a street pretzel. Cool. Pay $5 for a street pretzel. All right. And we eat that on our way to 99 cent pizza. Uh, get some of that. And, uh, was it special? No, not at all. But was it cool? Yeah, for sure. Um, so lots of stereotypical New York experiences like that. And then we went and saw, um, a matinee of a play called Betrayal, um, which is a straight play, meaning not a musical and, uh, super, super cool. So this is a play that goes back to the seventies. Um, and this most recent version, it's a, it's a three person show. I mean, realistically there are five, but you know, um, one of the characters was a waiter that appeared briefly in one scene, and then there was a little girl who appeared, and she might have been like, I don't know, three or four years old, something like that. Um, and her role was basically just to be on stage as a prop for a short time. But uh, it was it was a three, three-person three show, um, two men and one woman. The lead was uh, played by Tom Hiddleston, um, who was, you know, you might know him as, as Loki from the Avenger movies and from Thor. Um, and to say that the the acting in the show from him and from the other two was just unmatched just does it falls short um it was phenomenal oh my god and the staging for the show like i don't know i mean you you probably get a sense from me that i'm a bit of a theater junkie i'm really not i do appreciate a good show you know my wife is definitely much more of a theater kid than I am. And we have friends that put both of us to shame. Like one of our good friends, um, our friend Carol, who, who watched Taz um, while, while we were gone, she goes to New York a couple times a year specifically just to go and like, you know, make a week out of seeing shows. 
you know, she, she is much more tuned in and there are many other friends that we have that are much more like that, much more, uh, rabid about, um, watching shows than we are. We, we both appreciate a good one, but we aren't going to go see anything just to go see it. It's like <laughs> with this, we researched because we knew I had time to go and see one show. What's it going to be? Well, we agonized over the decision and in the end we made the right one. So, um, but this show is so good. So the staging of it, you know, it opens up and it's like everything is so subtle. The stage, such as it is, is a flat backdrop that runs the length of the stage, two chairs, and that's it for the whole show. And there's a section of the stage in the middle that rotates, and sometimes it moves very, very slowly. So you get two people in the middle that are stationary and having a conversation, and the third person that's on one of the outer rings that is slowly rotating around the three. The idea is this is a movie about an affair, or a play about an affair. And so it's the three people involved. It's a husband and wife, then the other guy. And for the entire show, all three of them were on stage, even though most scenes only involve two characters at a time. The idea being that third person is always present, at least in the minds of the other two, um, which was very cool. Uh, and just the way, I mean, it was just absolutely immaculate. So well written, but... You know, it's an old play. Everybody knows it's well-written, but when you see it perform like this, it really drives it home. Like, damn, that is really cool. Um, and then uh, after that, we closed out. Um, my wife had an old friend from uh, her college days uh, when she went to Emory & Henry uh, University in Virginia uh, who lives in New York as a tour guide. And so he actually arranged much of this trip for us, and uh, we met him for dinner. Um, that night on Saturday, and then he took us on a guided tour of the, kind of the midtown area around Rockefeller Center. Um, so we we looked at the uh, you know some of the Fifth Avenue shopping windows, like at uh, Bergdorf Bergdorf Goodman. Um, he took us around to some of that stuff. We saw some of the other things around like Tiffany. Uh, we saw the lights at uh, Saks Fifth Avenue. We went to Rockefeller Plaza. We went to Bryant Park. Um, and you know, he, he had a good sense of all the history and he could give us a lot of details and take us, you know, for you know, the best photo angles here and there. So she got some fantastic photos. Um, and, uh, then we, we ended it by going uh, up to the top of the empire state building, which was cool. So that's where a lot of those photos came from, which was fun. Uh, and then we took a, a cab ride back. And one of my favorite experiences was talking to the cabbie going back from empire state building to our hotel, which was kind of fun. He was uh, from Egypt and had, uh, had a, a very interesting story to tell, um, which was cool. And just, I don't know, I'm very much an introvert and 999 times out of a thousand, I'm going to sit in the back of that cab and just pray that whoever's up front doesn't say a goddamn word the whole time. For whatever reason this time, like I, I wanted to talk to this guy and I couldn't get enough. Um, it was, it was really cool. It was cool. Um, and then Monday we went out for breakfast and then, or Monday. Yesterday, Sunday, our last day there, we just went out for breakfast and then came back to our hotel to pack up. We come back to our hotel and it's like, you know, you see like, you know, the, the manhole cover out in the street in front of the hotel and all the steam coming out of it. And I walk through, I'm like, oh, that's not steam, that's smoke. <laughs> and we walk in the hotel, we're like, uh, is everything okay in here? <laughs> and uh, we're just like, I don't know what's going on apparently a fire in the subway or something like that. And so we get up and we're packing, we're packing. And then 
the, a voice comes on the hotel-wide intercom saying the elevators have been recalled due to an electrical fire. Everything's fine. Nobody worry. The elevators have been recalled. Uh, and immediately I'm like, get get finished. We're getting out of here. <laughs> and so we were staying on the, of course, 23rd floor. I'm like, give me your bag. And so then it becomes an endurance test. Like, farmers carry. Here we go. 23 flights of stairs. Let's go. And my heavy-ass coats, plural, because, you know, it was 35 degrees the whole time we were there. Uh, that that was the, the hardest part of the trip, for sure. Uh, I did it without stopping. 23 flights, her bag and mine, all the way down. And it's the, those staircases where it's like you go down eight steps and then you turn 180 degrees, go down another eight steps, and it's like that, you know, 46 times, basically, to get down to the bottom. We get down to the bottom. The closer we get, we're like, we're smelling smoke in the building. Well, and, you know, in New York, first time there, I'm like, this is not the kind of, you know, flashback that I want. Flashback for me of just, you know, going through, um, you know, experience uh, experiencing September 11th from a thousand miles away or actually I guess at that point it was about 3,000 miles away um but still just vicariously you know you still experience that and then here it's like uh nope nope doing a nope no thanks no thanks get me out of this building right now uh and you, you we get down to the ground floor in the lobby and there's firemen out there and you get the sense like there's just a general sense of unease among everybody I'm like we're getting out of this building bye-bye <laughs> And so we made it out and we, we got to the airport and we're off fine. So anyway, it was just a little bit, a little bit of tension there at the very end, but it was a fun trip overall. Um, I don't feel the need to go back anytime soon, but if there's a, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as I thought being, you know, an introvert who dislikes crowds of people. Um, I felt like I did okay. And I did a good job of developing the New York bubble that I hear people talk about where you just stop noticing everybody around you and you, you have to as a survival mechanism, I think. So um, still, I, to, to think that, uh, you know, I have clients who live in the city, like, yeah, all y'all, I, I got no idea how you do it. Mad respect. Seriously. It's crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, not, not something that I could do. Certainly not. Uh, I will, I, I'm happy here in Knoxville. <laughs> here I will stay. So, uh, anyway, that, that's it. That's my story. That's where I'm at. That's where I've been. Um, and so now, uh, I will take my leave of you. So, uh, I'll be back. I don't know when, uh, the next, uh, the next, um, what am I trying to say? When the next episode will be, it'll be when I have time for it. And what I don't want to do is stick to a rigid schedule or anything like that. Um, and, uh, commit to it because I don't want to paint myself into a corner and overcommit myself at this stage because I've learned that, yes, that is indeed very possible and, uh, it does not put me in a good position. So, um, so I'm not going to do that, but I will be back next time, whenever that is. And if that's Friday, great. It might be a week from today. It might be in two weeks. It's not going to be six weeks. Don't worry about that. I mean, we'll, we'll be here. It's just going to be a little less predictable for the foreseeable future. So um, when there is a new episode, I will let you know. Anyway, I appreciate you all hanging with me here, uh, listening in as always. Questions always welcome. Feedback always welcome. I appreciate it. Knowing that people are listening to this helps keep me going. It gives me incentive to want to continue doing this. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, that's all I got. So I'll peace out and uh, look forward to hearing all of your input feedback and questions so please bring it on